Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Pre-Market Prep. Joel, Dennis, good morning. Do, do you guys have whiplash yet? Yes. <laughs> yes? Major whiplash, major case of the chops. <laughs> Joel, can you show us your charts? There we go. Let's, yeah. Let's wow. Wowzer. Wowzer Hanover here, folks. Uh, just recap. I'm just, I'm just going to give you the pre-market high. I mean, because that's the only thing that really matters right now. 44.1950. Believe it or not, we're not even gapping up after the wild range yesterday. Pre-market low, 43.0850. For me, if we could hold... This 4,400, this was, that was the area yesterday's highs. That's a nice round number. We hold that. I don't know where we're going. I mean, 40, your next daily high, 44,2750. That was Monday's high. That would be a nice round tripper. Uh, crude up 93 cents at 86.54. Uh, gold, that's hanging in there. That's uh, down 590, 1846.60. Silver up just about two cents at twenty three ninety two. Bitcoin on the road to recovery up nine twenty at thirty seven seven ninety five. And Ethereum futures they're up one hundred four bucks at twenty five thirty nine fifty. Triple D. I've seen a lot of different things in the markets over the years, right? And you know we get questions like, what do you think about earnings on this stock? And what do you you know what do you what do you think? And and I say I I, I don't know. I don't know what the earnings are going to be. I don't know what guidance is going to be. Yeah. And if you have an example of that today, it was Mr. Softy. Oh, holy mackerel. Just bring up the chart. Bring up the yeah. after hours chart. And this Pretty is the craziest after hours for a major S&P component. Major stock. Know, and, and that we have seen in a long, long time. And I mean, the chart doesn't do it justice because you're looking, but if you look at that top chart, there you go. Top left. Yeah, yeah the top left. You can see that they slammed it. The first purple candle point to it, Joel. They slammed it from you know the right close here. all the way down to more than 5% on the initial headline numbers. It stayed down there for the better part of two hours and it dragged the entire market down. Everything. Everything. Everything was hammered. Like, I mean, usually you see, okay, this is going to drag down tech. No, no. They drag down everything, including the IWM, which obviously is small caps and not very tech focused. Everything got hit. And you're like, wow, this is going to be an ugly day. There was even, you know, a money manager on CNBC that came on and said, Microsoft is really disappointed. It's going to be really tough for the markets to handle this. And, <laughs> you know, this that that didn't last. And, you know, more than an hour, an hour and a half about. And then the conference call. And this just like is crazy that they hammer the market this hard when we didn't even have the guidance yet because Spencer, Spencer we're going to send to you now. But they were waiting on the guidance. And then the conference call happened. And we'll pass this over to Spencer Israel because the entire narrative of everything changed yeah. with just a couple sentences. Yeah. So the earnings comes out, um, you know, four sixteen p.m. Eastern time, right? It's when their page gets updated on their website, and the, and it says in the release we're going to buy, provide co- uh, guidance on the call. So everyone's like, all right, that's that's we're gonna have to wait for that. And but if you're going off just the earnings numbers, 
they were okay. I mean, they were they were objectively good, right? You, you, you look to see how the earnings per share and how the, uh, the revenue, how does that compare to the consensus Wall Street estimates? The EPS was higher than the estimate. The sales was higher than the estimate. Typically a good sign. Right now, the stock obviously dropped on that report. So everyone's all, we're all freak out, freak out. Why are we down? Why are we down? And everyone's like, just, we got to wait. We got to wait. We got to wait for the conference call. So, you know, I, I, I watched the call. If you're watching on Benzinga YouTube last night, you were probably watching the call too because we were, we were restreaming it. And the, they, they, they saved the guidance, right? They saved the guidance for like, Almost the end of the phone call, right? Right before the Q&A session. They go through, you know, Satya Nadella gives his whole spiel about everything. And then he, th- he throws to Amy Hood, the CFO, and she goes over each business. And then they finally get to the guidance. And this is where things get tricky because um, unless you know what, like, several data points already, it's hard to interpret the guidance in real time if you're just going off of what they say. Unless you know what the... Uh, prior growth rate was for for the company and uh, cloud is is the big growth driver here, right? Their Azure segment that's always been their big their big thing. So unless you know what the Azure growth rate is, unless you have an idea of what the consensus estimate is, very very hard to interpret these numbers in real time. Yeah. The, easy, the easier thing to do is just follow the price action. So I'll give you the numbers from what they said on the conference call, but the price action speaks for itself. So on that call. Amy Hood, the CFO, is doing her thing, and she says, uh, for the Intelligent Cloud Unit, a.k.a. Azure, uh, Microsoft is guiding for revenues between $18.75 and $19 billion uh, for the year. That range comes in above Wall Street's estimate, which is like in the $18.5 billion range. More importantly, though, when you, when you factor in the fact that the growth rate for uh, Azure for last quarter uh, came in a, li- a little bit above estimates, and now the growth rate for Azure going forward, their guidance also comes in above estimates. I mean, that seems to be a thing that analysts are hanging their hat on this morning. But regardless, again, it is very difficult to interpret these numbers in real time. You're you're better off just following the price action, and and it kind of speaks for itself. Right here I mean, at the bottom left chart, these are this one minute candles here. One minute candle. So from one in one, two, three, four off, yeah. minutes, mm-hmm. it went from two seventy five to two ninety. Yeah, it got it all back in about four minutes. Wow, it was pretty quick, and the overall market lagged a little bit, but it was fairly quick too. I mean, these are violent little rallies. These are violent whipsaws. This is violent when you have a hundred and ten point overnight range in the S&P. I mean, we're in violent trading right now where if you're if you're chasing, you are getting hurt. I mean, the fade trade has never worked better than the last couple of days where obviously 2 days ago S&Ps we you know make the lows around noon, then we have the rip roar and rally 200 point rally intraday, which you know, I don't know the last time obviously it was October 2008 that we saw that. Then we're trying to give it back yesterday. But like we said, when you start getting the words yesterday's low, even the 50%, it went over the 50%. It did. But you knew that there was people caught that they're probably going to not be able to get it back down to those lows. There's probably some shorts that are caught, people, you know, starting to buy. And then yesterday, same story again, afternoon uh, delight. Call it afternoon delight. We'll use the, the, (laughs) yeah. But, um, you know, and then we rallied another 100 handles from like one o'clock 
and you could feel it. I tweeted it out when we were like just starting, like we were up about, you know, we were just starting to get going around 432 spy. And I tweeted out, I was like, is this going to be another repeat? Like after, I don't remember what my tweet was, but I was like afternoon run up. I think I said with a question mark and it's exactly what happened. Sold off little nervous Nellies before the Microsoft report. Then we got hammered after hours, took us right down to the same area where we were having a lot of support midday. So technicals working well at that 430 spy area. That's yeah. where we got to after hours last night. And then the Microsoft turnaround. And now we get right back up to the highs. So, I mean, we're in a range here right now. We're opening up into the resistance, the resistance point being the high from two days ago. But we're getting a running start at it, Joel. So, you know, I don't know if I'm initiating a short here. If we got to 450 spy, I think I'd be more comfortable to initiate shorts because that's where the triple bottom broke down from. And we really seem to be trading well technically right now. There's some markets that trade, you know, it's fundamentals. And obviously news we know is Microsoft driven here today. But we're after the fact, Jack, here now. We know that Microsoft, they're actually liking the report. It would not surprise me if we do see a little bit of follow through here. So I'm not initiating shorts right off the hop. Although if you bought the lows, you're buying yesterday and you're selling rips and you're selling at 60 handles higher, I won't argue with you. It's a lot better than buying the rip. Uh, let's just look at it a couple different ways. I mean, you know, uh, do the 50% and uh, my retracement tool there. I believe it was, um, let me grab that once again. Boom to here. I mean, you got you got room up to forty five twelve to get halfway back of this move. That, that's four, that's forty four fifty on spy, really. Yeah, I mean that's the four fifty on spy, the equivalent. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. talking about. Same level. I wow. kind of think we could get back to the fifty percent retracement of that. I think that would be a great selling spot. I, I think if you're long, I'm I'm almost like holding out for that four fifty maybe, but maybe you give it right back. Maybe you don't want to get greedy, but I think it could be another hundred handle sneaky in here, and that's why I don't want to just come in and short this rally. I would say I might be taking some profits into the rally. But I'm not shorting the rally yet. We get up to 450. I will be initiating shorts at 450. Um, I think from a technical swing trade yeah, perspective, I back. think it's a great level to lighten up, get some cash, and short stocks. But that's 100 handles higher here. So yeah, look at the daily highs too. I mean, there's just not not much in there. And this is all in the backdrop of a Fed meeting today. Well, and there's your wild card. And Spencer, what time is the Fed going to give us? You know, are they are they is are they going to give us, you know, a two o'clock uh, decision? Yeah, it's here? Saying, that's the beauty of the Fed is at at least they're consistent with their timing. Two o'clock statement, two thirty press conference. We'll be that's speaking. everything. So we're going to be choppy ahead of that. It's going to dictate the next move. I mean, one thing to consider: we have rallied a little bit here, so maybe it's feeling a little bit more safe to get a little a little bit hawkish. If we were sitting on the lows and we were down, you know, like we were two days ago. I would think he'd probably even get dovish. So they're looking at this market. Don't kid yourself. It's come back a little bit here. So he might still be able to play some tough love. And the market might not like that either. So maybe in that case, maybe you do ring the register. If you were lucky enough or smart enough to be buying the lows there the last couple of days or buying a 422, 425, I'm not going to argue with you taking your quick money. I mean, some of these stocks, I'm holding on. I bought two more stocks. I bought two more. I bought an ETF yesterday and I bought a stock yesterday for the long-term account. I nibbled in a little Netflix couldn't resist and just a partial position small position just like almost a starter position and i bought more xbi my first xbi buy was terrible bought it at 108 when i thought and actually it ended up working um i bought it 108 almost got the bottom and then it ran to 118 that was back at the beginning of december 
Uh, but since then, we've collapsed. I'm just looking at the XBI, my retirement account, and saying, man, we are back in 2017 levels here on the XBI. I don't think biotech with a 25-year time horizon, that long-term account is going away. We're down from the highs on XBI of 174. So basically, we've been, we're more than 50% off on the ETF, on you know the biotech ETF. Yes, it's going to move with tech. Yes, it's got a lot of nosebleed names, P's, because a lot of these companies don't even make money. But there's always some diamonds in the rough in those two. So I just think if you're buying XBI at $90 right now and you got 20-year time horizon, I think you're making money. Uh, yeah, I mean it's moving two up today, one a little little over one point five percent. The only thing I nibbled on was uh, was I had talked about the banks, and uh, I looked at the J.P. Morgan, and I'm just it's just that's such a just a, a beating off its report. Also, these stocks are so streaky, right? So you had you know a seven day, you know six seven down days in a row. It had a green candle uh, on uh, on uh, Monday, turned around on Tuesday. Bank America was really strong, too. And and I noticed on the close yesterday that, you know, it was a wild. I mean, we dropped 100 handles We in the last hour. We got up over 4,400, and then we came all the way back down. And I'm just looking, and the banks were just going to exact opposite way it just someone was in there like just just buying hand over fist they could care what the market's doing so those are trading up uh of course we got the wild card with the fed and i don't i don't think they're i mean they're not gonna i mean he's not gonna say oh we're gonna you know hike eight times or he's i mean it's gonna be someone put it in the chat you know uh fed speech link you know two to four hikes data dependent i mean he's not He's not going to rock this market. I don't think. I, I, I think really he'll don't. be, he'll walk a fine line, but because the market has rally, he can still play some, give it some tough I love. Want, yep. I mean, they're going to, 85% chance, probably going in March. He's going to be saying, you know, the trend, you know, the inflation is still there, not going away. And obviously that, you know, that's why the tapering has happened. And that is why, you know, rates are going higher. So, you know, the wealth effect was one thing, but, you know, we are bouncing back here too, you know, get back to that 50% retracement. But just from a technical perspective, I do think if you were sitting all invested and you're like, man, I wish I had some dry powder to buy some stocks, this buy gets up to 450, get your dry powder. You know, like that's what I would say is ring the register on some of your stocks and get your dry powder. 10, 10 handles higher than this. But maybe you just needed to get dry powder now. Maybe you don't want to sit around and wait for the last 2% because it might not happen. The Fed could pull the rug out from under it. The market could pull the rug out from under itself, too. I mean, this market seems to find a way. It's not like we're in 2020 anymore where good news is always, you know, good news and bad news is good news. It's like seems like in a lot of cases that bad news is bad news and good news has been bad news in some cases. So markets turned. So obviously sentiment towards the market has as well. But last couple of days, we definitely see some buyers and you can feel it. That's why you can change. You can see the tone in, you know, in me, too. The last couple of days, yeah. you know, Spencer was even surprised that Dennis came on yesterday and was feeling a little bit bullish. I was. Um, yeah. You know, but you can, it's a spiny sense. It is 22 years of trading. I mean, I've realized, you know, that after 22 years, I get a really good feel for the market. And that's probably why I'm able to extract alpha from the market on a regular basis because I get into the zone. If I off for two days and come back, it takes me like two, three days to get that feel back. But I haven't been off in a long time. So, you know, from the market, I don't think I've taken a vacation a day off from the market probably since the, you know, back in like 
November when Omicron came out, or maybe it was even October. Uh, maybe I, I think it was no, no, I think it was October, October or November when we first heard about Omicron and the market tanked that day, and I was like sitting in a hotel. I'm like, man, wish I was trading, but. Right. But anyways, that's an edge. I mean, that's 22 years of experience. That's why I try to give my opinions sometimes on the show or you know, my overall market feels because, you know, they're more right than wrong. And I, Joel's got a lot of experience, too. And sometimes the feel is more important than the technicals. Yeah. And, you know, you saw a lot of stuff uh, the last couple of days, too. You know, bear market. Like how, how to prepare for a bear market. I'm like, we've already oh, had it. Right. I mean, yeah, Where's come on. Like, yeah, like bear, like. We, Come we've on. been in the average stock down more than 25%. You don't kid yourself. I don't care. S&P's down 8% or 7% from the highs. We've been in a bear market here for a while. Kathy Wood, ARKK has been in a bear market for a while. I said, you know, you know that ARKK could still have path resistance down, but I'll tell you in the short term, I would not want to be short any of those, those nosebleed names because they are way oversold still. And you can see even yesterday, ARKK trying to go down, but there's buyers beneath here now. So all of a sudden, you look and you think, is that like, you know, 64.98? Is that a safe low on ARKK? I think it is for now. Unless the Fed says something really crazy, I think I'm nibbling into growth. I mean, I wouldn't have bought some square if I didn't think there was the potential that, you know, we were, you know, looking up, you know, not the bottom, but a bottom. So I think, you know, I think if you're just getting bearish, I think you're a little bit late to the party, especially on those growthy names, because they've just been hammered. And don't kid yourself. You could see a 20% rally in some of these names just like that and be like, whoa, what happened? Wow. You know, they've been just hammered and hammered and hammered. So, I mean, even to the tune of, did you see, like, look at XBI, then look at LabU. And here's a lesson on triple levered funds and why you don't invest in triple levered funds. You can trade them. I trade LabU all the time but they are day trading vehicles. But here you are, it's the triple bull, and LABU is the triple bull biotech. It goes off of XBI. So XBI basically up 1%, LabU is up 3% on any given day. But because of rebalancing effects, they have to rebalance this every single day. And because you know the way it works is that they tend to lag over the long term. And what is disgusting is if you bring up LABD, and you bring up LABU, and LABD is obviously done very well, but bring up LABU. It's $185 was the high. It's down 90%. Yet LAB, or uh, yet, you know, um, XBI is only off 50%. So, I mean, for it to go back up, let's give it some perspective. For LABU to go back up to the all-time highs, it's got to go up 1,000% from here. XBI to go back up to the only all-time highs only has to go up a hundred percent, so it has to go up tenfold for you to get back to that one eighty-five. Even despite it's not ten times levered, it's it's triple levered. These rebalancing effects on these ETFs, these levered ETFs, tend to make them lag over the long run, and that's why they're very bad and poor long-term investment vehicles. Buying LabU and sticking it into your long-term account is the recipe to lose money. Buying LABD. And stick it in your long-term account is a recipe to lose money. You can day trade them, but they're very poor long-term vehicles. We've talked about this before on the show. Uh, and, and I just want to like just go back to the Microsoft for a second here because, um, look, uh, Mitch put it the, the the other day. You know, the market looking for a reason to sell off versus you know the market looking for a reason to to buy. Uh, sometimes it, the market just need people just get a reminder. Oh, like Microsoft is a 
beast. Like their their cloud unit is their growth rate hasn't slowed like ever. And when 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 you get a large component like Microsoft come in coming in and saying, "Yep, business is really strong." Sometimes that can be like the jolt that everyone needed to like wake up, like, "Oh yeah, right. This is still a really good company. Like we can buy this. It's okay." And sometimes that that's enough to just turn the tide. So, um I, I like what Roland just said in the chat where the uh, uh, it's not the business doings that move the market, but what the public interprets those moves as. And I, I generally agree with that. Uh, kind of true. Yeah. Settlement so, towards the sectors. Everything matters more than sometimes the individual numbers. I mean, Microsoft's off from the highs. It's not cheap. I own Microsoft. It's yeah. still not cheap. It's trading 30 times earnings relative to itself. It's probably still very expensive. So you still have to be careful. I'm not saying the coast is clear and we're jumping in all these stocks and we're all going back to all-time highs. But it's not impossible that that could happen too. So that's why I just want to get off of like being, if you're sitting in 50% cash, I think you got to look at pullbacks as buying opportunities. And that's what I was doing, you know, in my registered account. I'm down about 30% cash now. So I did deploy on both the, the pullbacks yesterday. I'm not never buying up 60 handles in my long-term account. Never, never, never. I'm never doing that even in my day trading account. I'm just not, you know, buying reps i just doesn't make you money so look at this yes, LA the two times i was buying yesterday was around uh, yesterday i was buying around noon and the day before i was buying around 11 o'clock noon it was a little bit early because uh, i started buying around 11 o'clock but when you're down a hundred a thousand dow points and you're sitting with a lot of cash do a little shopping you're down 700 dow points sitting a lot of cash do a little shopping you don't have to go all in but you can shop a bit this uh, LABD, this is even the bearish biotech, right? Yeah. Look, look how this, look how this thing's done, with all the reverse splits and everything. Oh, I know. Go back to 2016. <laughs> you lose on them both. All right. So I, I, Here, here's I, I, the lesson I, in leverage funds. Go ahead. Go ahead. And 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 I know. And Bob Bright, Bright Trading, genius. You know, we know it. And people who know Bob Bright has you know been a genius for a long time. He's he's always been the fan of shorting them both. He shorts the lab view, or he shorts, you know, and he does it on all different ETFs, but the triple levered, he shorts both sides. And what it does is it just as the leaks he gains in the long run. And he was making so much money doing this that they were jacking up like the rates, like for holding on the shorts on him, because he was making so much money over the years doing this. I mean, he has been doing this for 20 years since these vehicles were created. He's so smart. You know, he figures it out after like a few days. He's like, both of these are going to leak over the long run. So I'll just stay short both of them. You know, on any given day, I'm pretty hedged, but, you know, because 3% up, 3% down, but over the long run, if the rebalancing effects all the time, they just tend to leak. So bring up LABU, LABD, case in point, 2015, LABU, $239, LABD, case in point in 2016, $20,000. <laughs> now it's 40 and LABU, you lose on a both. So there's my point made right there. In the last five years, You've lost 90% of your money on LabVIEW and 98% of your money on LABD. Can I show you this? Terrible, terrible investment vehicles. <laughs> Don't invest in these things. Wait. Okay. Junk. No, uh, great trading instruments. Can I show you this? Uh, the the This is the S&P. This is the SPY against the, uh, the triple levered long, the bullish SPY, right? And going back to the last six years. Over the last six years, the SPY is up 118%. The triple levered fund... Is up a third of that. This is right. how junky these are. And this they, is a good lesson. We haven't done this lesson for probably a year on the yeah. show. So we need to do no. it again. 
day trading vehicles. These vehicles are only, only. vehicles. Or swing, maybe swing trades. No, but, not really even, though. Because no, you, you lose overnight. every day. No, the rebalancing happens every day, Joel. Every day. Every you leak day. a little bit. Every night you hold that, you leak a little bit. You leak a little bit. You leak a little bit. The terrible investing vehicles. They can be held. They can be held for a couple. Of they days. can be held short, and they're awesome. <laughs> but you know where they get you is, like I said, fifteen years ago, these were great to short both sides. But now the fees, they jack the fees on you because the the smart money realizes, oh man, there's people making money to shorten both of these things. We can't let that happen. Let's no, come on no, and no. Like jack away some of these fees. So we'll jack up the short, the borrow costs on these things. We'll jack all up wherever we can to try to get you. So Wall Street trying to get even the money back from the people who are smart enough to stay short <laughs> these vehicles. Igor says I'm wrong. Igor, please tell me why I'm wrong. Please tell me why LabVIEW is a good long-term investment vehicle because I think no, we just proved it's the not, point. Okay, here's how you know it's not a good long-term thing because the companies that make these instruments, they themselves tell you. It literally says the word daily in the name of the product. Okay, it says daily in the name of the product. They tell you not to hold a long-term, but they are good short-term instruments for a day or yes, maybe even a couple of days. Don't don't you can hold these things for more than one day. I would never hold one of these for more than like a week, ever, ever at all. But for a, a couple, a day, maybe two, if you've got a thing, it can be done. Uh, just to put a bow on this, I've been working on an, on an analogy. I, it may, this may make no sense at all, but I, I've been give it a shot. I, I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. So imagine you're uh, a chef. And so there's two, there's two chefs. This is going to make no sense. This is going to be interesting. Go ahead. <laughs> so there's two chefs. Uh, one chef is your regular chef. One chef is your leveraged chef. Okay, your leveraged ETF chef. Uh, the first chef, uh, he gets to, you know, every day get a little bit better. He get every day he gets to, you know, uh, buy, add more to his uh to his 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 cooler to his freezer. He gets to buy new equipment over time, so he's getting better constantly, constantly, constantly. The other chef every single day has to start from square one. Who's going to make the better the better stuff? If every day, chef number two has to go out. He's got to buy fresh ingredients. He's got to buy an oven. He's got to buy a fridge. He's got to buy a fryer. Every single day, he's got to redo all the stuff from the previous day, no matter what. Who's going to make the better food? The first chef is. The guy who has who gets to build over time, as opposed to the second chef that has to go back to square one every day. I hope that made some sense. I've been thinking about that one for a while. Uh, maybe it didn't make any sense. I'm, I'm talking to myself right now. Uh, no, no. We, we get the analogy. <laughs> we got you. What somebody's asking SSO, can you do the same exercise for SSO? Because I think this is an important lesson because people who are new to the market think that when they buy a, a leveraged ETF, and if the markets, if I buy SSO, and I believe SSO is double, am I correct? I never uh, trade SSO. I it's, think it's the double one. Yeah, I think it's a double one. Is it yeah. double or triple? I think it's uh, double. I never trade it. Um, it doesn't oh, say it in it's it, pro it, shares. It is, it is. It's two times. It's two times. It's the double. Yeah. Okay, so bring it up. And same thing, crap. So bring it up. S&P, SSO, in 2018, $60 a share. Today, it is $60 a share. What has the SPY done over the same time period? It has went from 286 to 434. Complete junk. You cannot hold these things long-term. Can you hold them for more than a day? Sure. Um, Igor, if you want to hold them for two days, I'm not going to go and, and slap you on the face. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're holding them for six months, a year, two years, because people, they pitch these things. There is money managers. There is literally stockbrokers that don't understand these things. And they will say, oh, yeah, you know, it's a triple lever. Then people think that if the market's up 30% and I buy a triple levered one, I'm going to be up 90%. 
or in the next year. That never happens. It lags. So again, don't stick these I, things in your long-term I, account. I, I there's not a lot of guarantees on Wall right. Street, but if you hold these things for more than five or six years, you're almost guaranteed. We, 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 we have to bring on Mark, and I, before I do that, though, I just, just to say, the, the kind of, if you're going to, if you look at this chart and say, oh, SSO has done way better than the SPY, think about the market that has to happen for that. If you're going to like put SSO in there and hold it forever, we've said don't do that, right? That's not what the, that's not what the thing is for. Um Imagine a, a market where the spy is a little bit choppy, where it's up. That's where it gets killed. You're gonna lose. You're gonna lose. That's where it gets killed. You will get slaughtered. You if the spy goes up every single day, then yeah, you probably do. Okay. You make more. You probably yeah, went yeah. up every single yeah. day. You would actually make more. You want me to explain the rebalancing effects? No, 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 no. We got, no, we got Mark. No, I don't we think that people understand it. I think it's no, important. I think they do. The mechanics okay. behind it are really simple. I, whatever. You know, we got the markets talking. Let's teach something today. Fine. Do you want me to teach something? Do the chat want? Do you want to go to stocks? Do you want me to teach? No, something? no, we're teaching, but we got Mark here, so teach. Because well, it's not eight thirty-five. I thought he's coming on eight thirty-five. Right, we're gonna bring on a few minutes early. But the rebalancing effects. Okay, forget it. Let's go to Mark then. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just nobody wants. I don't to want Mark it. to. I don't want Mark to run late. I was told he has. A yeah, meeting. we moved him up, Dennis. We should have told you we'll do meeting. this. No, it's an important exercise. We'll do it right after. We'll do it right after Mark. We'll, we can do it after Mark. All right, Mark Yusko is here. Mark, good morning. Uh, thank you for joining the show today. Hey guys, uh, Mark, can you hear me? Yeah, we hear you. Uh, CEO, oh. CIO. Sorry, you I hear me, but you don't see me. Uh, there we go. Oh, I do. Yeah. Push the button. How you doing? How are you doing, Mark? Uh, we are talking about um, leverage um, ETFs, but we can yeah, yeah, the devil. They are they are the devil. What <laughs> <laughs> a summary. That's the summary. The devil. <laughs> they're the devil, and and they're no, they're great trading instruments. And they're great hedging instruments, but you can't hold them. You can't hold them for any period of time um, because you just get you just get destroyed because of the rebalancing effect. And you guys can talk about that later. Yeah. Sure. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Mark, uh, I, I, I would love your thoughts here on the recent uh, action in uh, overall market, but specifically Bitcoin. We know yeah. you've, been a, you've been a massive bull for a long time. You you're damn near. Uh, I mean, you talked me into buying it. A, you know, a little while ago. Um, you know, I, I, what I've been saying is this is a feature, not a bug. But you know, you can't ignore the price. So I would like like your take on where things sit right now. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around: a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Yeah, look, to your point, volatility is not your enemy in anything. In fact, you know, the greatest investors build a portfolio of highly volatile assets that are uncorrelated to one another and hold them forever. 
right? I use the example of Amazon all the time. Amazon has been a public company now coming up on 25 years. They've had a double digit drawdown every year, including this year. And we're only three weeks in, including this year, double digit drawdown every year. The average is 35%. I'm sorry, 31%, 31%, five times more than 50% and twice more than 90%. When was the right time to sell? That would be never. Who bought Amazon at the IPO and holds it today? There's five people, Jeff, his mom, his dad, his ex-wife, and Bill Miller. That's it. <laughs> There's no one else because they got shaken out by the vol. So you asked me about crypto, you asked me about Bitcoin. Look, we're in crypto winner. Nobody wants to hear it and everybody needs to hear it. We're in crypto winner. Everybody says, well, no, we're not. This cycle is different. No, it's not. The cycles are always the same. Human greed and fear are always the same. And volatility is a little lower this time. I don't think we're going to have an 84% drawdown because we didn't get so far above fair value this time that we have to go all the way uh, down to way below. So look, fair value of the Bitcoin network, somewhere in the low 30s, call it 32, 33K, whatever the number is. And all that matters in digital assets is owning a piece of these networks. You don't care about the daily price. You don't care about the fluctuation. You don't care about the, you want to own these digital networks because they are the future of financial services. Bitcoin is the future of gold, future of money, right? Money, there's only one money in the whole world. Now there's two, right? Gold and money has to exist in the absence of a liability. Everything else is a currency. It's not money. It's a currency. It's debt. It's backed by debt. Gold for 5,000 years was perfect money. And now Bitcoin is a digital form, more portable, more divisible. It's just a better form of gold. And that will ultimately be money. Now, that doesn't mean it'll be the currency that we use every day. That's not what it's designed for. For that, we'll have things like Lightning Network and other layer twos and even layer threes. It's like Visa. What is Visa? Visa is what most people use for money. Do any of you have money in your pocket? Like literally cash in your pocket? Probably not. I have zero. And every time, and I feel bad because every time I go to tip somebody, like there was this amazing guy down, I go to Starbucks down the hill for, for lunch most days. And there was this guy uh, playing an electric violin in the parking lot, yeah. okay? Absolutely gorgeous music. I mean, it was like, Nirvana. I'm sitting there having my coffee, listening to this guy, and I wanted to tip him. And I, and I didn't have any money. Like, I literally didn't have any money. Now, thankfully, he had a little sign that says, here's my Venmo number. So <laughs> he was prepared. And um, that's a tough way to make a living, by the way, for your, you know, feed your kids. But he was a beautiful violinist. M so Mark, that's a long answer, Spencer, yeah. to, your, to your question. Look, The one thing you said at the beginning was, was the uncorrelated, right? Yeah. Um, that hasn't quite been the case though recently, right? We no, it. no, no. Short term, short term doesn't count. Short term oh, doesn't count. Okay. Correlation right. only matters over long periods of time. Okay. The idea of a short term correlation is a statistical anomaly. It's like military intelligence and jumbo shrimp. It, it doesn't exist. So yes, correlations go to one in liquidations. Now the, here's the problem. March of 2020. Oh, there's this big spike and, and correlation went up. No, it didn't. Stocks got thrashed because of idiotic lockdown policies. Stocks got thrashed. 
And when you get thrashed, what happens? You have gap downs and you get a margin call because everybody's got too much leverage. So when you get a margin call, what do you do? You don't get to sell what you want to sell. You sell what you have to sell. So what got trashed in March of 2020? Gold, bonds, and Bitcoin. What? Those are the safe assets. Those are the safe havens. But they got sold because people had to sell them to make the margin call to pay for their stupid leverage on stocks. Same thing happened in the last couple of weeks. People are, we have the, we have record margin debt, the highest margin debt in the history of mankind. Here's a stat you will not believe. More money went into the S&P, more money went into the S&P index at stocks last year than the previous 17 years combined. Yeah. And I've, I've seen that the flows and I've, I've wondered to myself, where the hell is all this money coming from? And you can say it comes from the banks, if the company- banks are lending people money for free and they buy stocks because they think they're riskless. Then they go down, they get a margin call. Cause look at the action. The stock market goes down. Bitcoin's flat. And it says, Oh, look how uncorrelated it is. And then after hours, Bitcoin goes down twice as much because people are being forced hedge funds, individuals being forced to sell the assets they don't want to sell, but they're being forced. So buy every opportunity over time. Don't no no one should put all their money in any asset in one fell swoop, right? You should buy it over time. What what are your thoughts here just on the growth names? Because we've seen PE contraction here, like whether they even had PEs. I mean stocks were trading a hundred times earnings, 30 times sales. A lot of that stuff has come in substantially is any of this stuff starting to get attractive or is there more pain ahead? So much more pain. So much more pain. I mean, let's just talk about Peloton, right? Peloton equity is probably worthless. Okay. Just math, right? Liabilities, assets, business model. How many people every year, you're about this time, right? This is about time, right? They say it takes 18 days to make a habit. So here we are on the 26th or whatever. And everybody has stopped exercising. They made their New Year's resolution. They were going to exercise. They didn't make it the 18 days. So <laughs> every one of those, you know, $2,500 bikes is now a clothes rack, right? Or an object to art in, in the front room. So the, the problem is that stock got to levels of valuation that were stupid, you know, kind of like Zoom and, and uh, I mean, we can go through a list of yeah. dozens. Hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. And- the problem is math is, is hard. Like math is, is, is just hard, but this kind of math is super hard because the fed perpetuated lots of myths. Inflation is a myth. The idea that it's good for you is just stupid, right? Why would we want our purchasing power to be stolen every year? That's just a myth. But the other myth is this fed model, this idea that low interest rates mean we can pay a higher price. So let's take that to the illogical extreme. If interest rates are zero, are stocks worth infinity? Because yeah. anything over zero is, is infinity. So that's the logic that people took is, oh, I can pay 100 times sales. Scott McNelly in 2000 said very clearly, that was when things were expensive at 10 times sales, 10 times revenues. He said, look, if you pay me 10 times revenues for my stock, in order for me to give you a decent return, I would pretty much have to give you all of my revenue every year for the next 10 years, which would be a hard thing to do because I would go to jail and I don't want to go to jail because I have to pay taxes and I have to pay my employees and I got to pay cost of goods sold. So I'm not going to do that. That stock went down 98%. 
company was perfectly good. Right. Done microsystems, good company, but the stock was dog meat. And that's the same thing as there's so many names. I mean, Zoom, it's a great company. It's a great product. The stock is so, way overvalued. It could go so, down. So Mark, how do you value a company? How do you, how, how do you I, I mean, I'm old, right? I'm, I'm just an yeah. old guy. I value it on cash flow. That <laughs> works right now, though. I mean, okay. earnings actually are supposed to be the, you know, this idea that I don't ever have to make money. Like that's the old Jeff Bezos line. Bezos line. Uh, we lose money on every transaction, but we make it up on volume. Ha ha ha. No, no. And and Jeff figured out a way to actually make money. Now, still overvalued. I mean, it's still probably dead money for the next decade because really overvalued. Great company, but really overvalued. Um, and I think people go mad in herds, but they only come to their senses one at a time. And so a few people came to their senses and said, yeah, GameStop, AMC, it's kind of stupid. Dogecoin, stupid. I, I said on TV, I don't remember what day it was. It was kind of, it was like the week after, uh, no, it was the week before. It was Thursday before uh, Elon was on Saturday Night Live. And, you know, the, the host asked me, you know, what do you think of Dogecoin? You know, it's so great. Like, Dogecoin is everything that's wrong with the markets today. Everything. You give people free money. They buy a joke because other people are buying it. And they think that's investing. That's not investing. That is not even speculating. That's just gambling. And gambling, the house wins. And so that will go to zero. Shiba Inu will go to zero. Uh, a whole bunch of these growth names will go to zero because they had no plan to ever make money. I, I saw a really great thread. I'm going to have to find it now uh, on Twitter. Uh, it was a tax thread because um, we're approaching tax day. Uh, yeah. And, uh, here we go. It's from Jack Rains. I don't know who Jack Rains is. I saw it this morning. I saw yeah. it this morning. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's probably where I saw it. You probably retweeted it. I'm going to put this in the chat. Everyone should check out this thread. Just this. I don't know who this guy is, but it was a really good thread. And I saw several people. Re you retweeted it. Barry Ritholtz retweeted it. Um, yeah. It was a really good thread about like the people that are screwed because they didn't set aside money for their cap gains. Oh, no. This is a huge problem. And look. We've seen this. So there are micro cycles inside the macro cycle. So there, there's a micro cycle every year in kind of January, February in the U.S. And then uh, kind of in, in the, I'm sorry, in January, February for China. And then in April for the U.S. Because in China, all the people that own digital assets have to sell for red envelope season where they, they give each other cash gifts. So there was this big selling wave in kind of mid to late January uh, every year. And, and in big years, in the halving cycle, in the bull market portion of that halving cycle, those were really bad. So that was 2018, 2014, uh, and, and, you know, arguably 2022. So, so those, those were bad. Then you, then you have the, the, the U.S. tax season in April. And so there's this little double hiccup of, of foresight. This year, it's going to be really bad because there were so many people that went into alts. And whether that was, you know, the dog shit coins or whether it was real stuff like Solana and Avalanche, I mean, these things went up 10, 15, 20 times, right? So people have meaningful tax liabilities. They, they didn't take their profits and set them aside. Worse 
if they did take profits, they rolled them into something else that they thought was even more speculative. And now those things are down 50, 60%. So they don't have any money to pay taxes. So they're going to have to super liquidate. And if they thought they were going to sell their GameStop, well, that isn't going to work now. Or their AMC, that ain't going to work now. Uh, or even their FANG stocks, that ain't going to work. So I, I think the tax realization moment could make this March very similar to March of, of 2001. For those that weren't around like me, what was that? That was the beginning of the bear market. Everyone thinks 2000 was the bear market. 2000 wasn't the bear market, right? We, 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 had, a, we had the peak and then we, we started down in March of 2000. But in the summer, we had the Fed say, no, 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 we're going to print more money and everything's going to be fine. And, and we, we almost got back to the previous high by September of that year. And then we kind of, you know, did down a little bit, kind of October usual. But then we had the Santa Claus rally. And it wasn't till kind of February, March of 20 of 2001, where we started the down 55 percent over over two years. And that was because all the dog crap companies, the WorldComs, the Enrons, you know, Cisco. I love this part. Cisco came out in early 01 and restated like two or three years of earnings that they just made up. They just literally made stuff up. What they were doing, I love this part, they were writing down their old equipment, their old switches and stuff, and then selling it the next year and taking the uh, revenue as if the cost of goods sold was zero. I mean, total fabrication. And then you had the uh, unwinding of the... Um, the big merger between Time Warner and AOL, which at the time was the greatest merger of all time, which literally went to zero. And, and it just, everything unwound. And once that great unwind starts, it gets ugly and it gets ugly for a while. And, and you know, this time was worse actually, right? This bubble was worse than the 2000 bubble on every measure, on price to sales, EV to EBITDA, you know, PE, although there is no E. For most of these companies, I mean, 40% of the companies in the Russell 2000 don't have earnings. I mean, just let that sink in for a second. 40% of the index don't have earnings. Really? And, really? and, my, and my favorite part, you know, really? how they quote, you know how they quote the, you know how they quote the PE? They say the PE is like 90 or something. No, 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 no. That's because they exclude the companies with no earnings. The actual PE would be triple digits. So I can't, I didn't do the calculation, but I didn't the, know that. I didn't know the Russell fact. That, that, the lies we tell ourselves to justify irrational behavior. Yeah. It's look, I, I and, and I don't mean this and, and I don't want to get my son in trouble. My son works for Snowflake and I love my son and I love Snowflake. I think it's an amazing company, but it set the record. It sold for 220 times revenues. The math doesn't work. There's no math that anyone can show me anywhere that a company can sell for 220 times earnings and make a positive return over the coming decade. You can't grow fast enough. You can't sudden, and they don't make any money. And it's a great company. Don't get me wrong. It's a great company. The stock price is just wrong. And all right. I don't want to go down because right. there's a lot of options. And so. <laughs> Mark, you so, so stop. Um, but we haven't asked Mark. So, okay. So, we're obviously, we you like Bitcoin still. Um, yep. 
you you don't like all these growth assets. What about other stocks? Like you you put your C, you know put your your CFA cap. Yep. I always call it, but put your fundamental cap on here right now because K-Web, some stuff baby. is getting hit. Everyone pile into KWeb. Oh, uh, Chinese internet stocks are going to be the best performing asset this year by why? by a mile. It won't be close. Why? It won't be close. Just cheap enough that they've just gotten cheap enough. Well, one is they're cheap enough, but two, China. See, China's playing a different game than everybody else. You know, everybody's like, oh, you know, we're in charge and America's in charge. No, no, no. We're arguing how to set up the checkerboard and China's playing go. They're playing a totally different game. They are 10 moves ahead. They are loosening, right? They tightened early last year, which is why their stock market got crushed. It wasn't because we clamped down on China. It wasn't because of the VIE structure. It's because they withdrew massive amounts of liquidity to pop the real estate bubble that they had. So they understand how to inflate and deflate, inflate and deflate. But the key is that each step is higher. If you look over the last 20 years, Chinese stocks and American stocks have the same return. People are like, no, that's bullshit. Check it out. They have the same return. So the, the key is that people believe the nonsense that they hear on television. Right? They should be watching this stuff, which is real. They shouldn't watch this the narrative on television, which is China's evil. We're in Cold War 2.0, and you know China's bad and China's in trouble. China has greater population, greater working age population. They have more technology. They are leaders in 5G and AI. Like 10 years ago, America had to choose. What are we going to be great in? And we chose to be awesome in social media. We rock at Instagram and Facebook. China said, you know what? I think we're going to be good at 5G and AI. I'm going to guess that over the next decade, 5G and AI are way more important than social media. And so Tencent, Alibaba, all these companies, they got pounded because China did do something that I, I actually did not think they would do, right? They destroyed an entire industry because it threatened their social prosperity plan, which was the education business. So Tal Education, New Oriental, they basically wiped out the equity of those companies. So everybody said, well, if they can do it in education, they could do it in any Well, well, yeah. Yes, it's true. They could. They could. But I don't think they will. And I think they did in education. Believe it or not, <laughs> And, and this gets deep into to Chinese philosophy. Which we're not going to so, get into right now. <laughs> it's all about the mandate from heaven. Just Google the mandate from heaven and, and you'll understand. All right. Uh, Mark Yusko, Morgan Creek Capital Management, uh, Morgan Creek Digital. Uh, Mark, I don't want to keep you anymore because uh, Pam will send me an angry email. And ah, no, that's good. I got a nine o'clock, but happy no. to be with right. you guys. Thanks, and uh, Thanks happy a lot. to be any time. And condolences, Joel. Uh, I appreciate you taking the beating that Notre Dame normally takes uh, at the end of the year. So, <laughs> Christ, Mark, you just got yourself banned from this show forever. <laughs> no, I've been saying, I look, I've been there. I, I, mean, I got the Fighting Irish behind me, and and I, yeah, actually, my my Pam actually is a huge Wolverine fan, and so I have a, a Michigan hat that I've had to wear many times when Michigan beats Notre Dame, and. Uh, I, I feel badly because it's just not fair. Alabama and Georgia are pro teams. They could beat what 17, 18 of the NFL teams. So. I don't know about that. I don't know. All right. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mark. 
Yeah, we gotta catch uh, another rerun of Rudy. Oh, <laughs> uh, Joel. Uh, oh, Mark is still. Are you talking? Wait. Oh my God. He's got. He had a meeting to go to. Okay, let's go back to the conversation. Mark's always good, though. I mean, you, you know, like he comes on. What I love about Mark is he comes on. He's not scared <laughs> yeah. to give his opinion. Woo! You know, he's kind of like me in that way because I'm definitely not scared to give my opinion either. He doesn't beat around the bush. He tells you what it's like. More pain for those growth names. Okay, very quickly, can we do a, a very short math lesson on how leverage? Yes, yes. I have a slide on this, and I was looking for it in the background, but I couldn't find it because I've taught a lesson on this. I want to teach you. I'll teach you as a slide tomorrow, so I'll actually okay. send right. wow. to basically, show you the math. It's, it's simple math. It's, it's all it's, just simple math. If you wanted to say it, you can say it too. But basically, it's the problem when you drop and you drop, and then you go back up. If if this if the index went up every single day, the levered ETF would actually outperform. But right. because it goes like this, up, down, up, down, up, down, that's where you get hit with the rebalancing effect. So that's the really the end answer. But I'll show you the math tomorrow. I'll get on my slide. I gotta go hunt it down. And then we can actually see it and we'll show the math and be like, oh, that's why that makes sense. Yep. All right. So let's do some ticker time. We covered like one. Yeah, stock we covered one stock today. This could be. <laughs> I know. We Some people are going to get upset if I go into a hardcore <laughs> drop, drop, drop your tickers for us in the chat. Uh, let us know what you got. We didn't even cover Texas Instruments. We didn't even cover. I want to get to cybersecurity because F5 gave some. Oh, yeah. That's, that's uh, getting. Ooh, they, they, were punching, ooh. they were punching FFIV and Juniper in the face last night. Uh, I've not looked this morning yet. I just saw what they were doing last night. Uh, after hours. So, yeah, that was FFIV's number right there. Then they hit Juniper on that as well. Um, okay, let's go to the chat. Uh, let's go. Yes, we, we, let's do AT&T because they had earnings this morning. AT&T after all this? Hey, hey I, go, I, I go where the chat goes. I go where the chat goes. I have no oh, idea what the stock is doing today. Uh, the numbers were good. Uh, yeah, the stock has you know, come off its, uh, its recent uh, high, but was on a big run from uh, December on to yeah. January. I don't know. Dash for dash for trash on this one. Well, it's the value-oriented market, and it is your classic value stock. So that is why AT&T. And there's a lot of people still looking at 7.72% dividend and saying, oh, how can I go wrong? Well, that dividend, remember, is going to get cut. Um, but in any regard here, they still haven't cut it. So it still shows up as a 7.72% dividend, even though they intend to cut it. And well, you know, it's, been, down so it, much. it's benefiting from this move to defense. It's been defensive names. It's benefiting from this move to value. It's benefiting. It's getting some of the capital. It's coming out of the growth names. I think it's a mistake. I still don't like AT&T. I know you like it, Joel. I think you own it. Um, I still don't. I still think it's a mistake, and I still don't like the company. Uh, it's getting a nice pop off the uh, off the report. Uh, let's see if it can hold 27. It, that was the three-day high at 27, came hard off 27.50. Uh, so right now it's 27 bid up 52 cents. So you can just see holds 27. There's really only two daily highs to deal with. Uh, Above that, that's uh, 2741. There's probably a boatload standing there at 2750 uh, since we haven't been there. Was that a monthly high too, 2750? Oh, yeah. Um, your October high too. So big levels in there. If it doesn't hold 27, looks maybe give a little bit back. Not sure you'll see unchanged on it. Um, let's, uh, Eric Taylor asked nicely, he said, uh, BMY, please, Bristol Meyer. Please. Long Please. time. I haven't looked at yeah. this chart for a long time. 
Oh, it's come back again. Value-oriented market, defensive names, 3.44% dividend. Not surprising that this would outperform. It's people are hiding in this stuff. They're don't looking for places to hide because they've been hammered in growth. They've been hammered in a lot of, you know, technology companies. They've been hammered in a lot of different stocks. So they're looking for places to hide. It's run too far here now. We look back in November, we were $53. Now you're $62. they have been benefiting from this money hiding in. I don't think it's a place to hide. Uh, getting some back, right? It got hit a little bit more slow moving stock. Let's look at the, I'll just look at this on the rebound up 24 cents. What did we hit? We hit, uh, we got almost to 66. I don't know this 64 area. Um, that'd be about halfway back. This is a classic. I mean, it had a big move. It had the pullback and now, you know, can it get halfway back and can it hold? And then go back up and test the highs. So we'll, we'll check it out. At, uh, resistance, major resistance, long term. I'll be looking for this to get back over 64. Uh, let's go to, okay, here's one we haven't looked at for a while. At least I haven't. How's Generac? How's Generac doing? How's GNRC doing? I bought one of those last year. Wow. Oh, that's been hit hard. What's the, okay, what's the P? I don't follow the company I, close I enough. I have no what, idea. I know it was ridiculous when I had looked a while ago, but maybe it's getting reasonable. Let's just see if it's got uh, any point of reasonable. 20, 20, 23, so it's, I don't know. It's oh, middle, that's getting middle, more that's middle of the road. That's middle of the road. That's not bad, though. This company is a company that fires on all cylinders, though. Like, I always liked this company. I just never wanted to play a nosebleed valuation from it, so this is interesting here. Um, if it really is 23, I'm just grabbing it. Market cap, 17 billion. It's nice you can go into the pro and get all those little details. P trailing 33, P forward 23. So we're projecting, obviously, when we're looking out on a forward basis. Um, okay, I don't know. I could get talked into this. Uh, you got to level Talk the lead. Me out I, of it. I don't know. I mean, you can, you can lead on the actually made the low of the move yesterday, right? 60 20, or excuse me, uh, made the low of the day. On Monday, along with the market, it's trading up seven bucks, but it's only on 520 shares. But the only thing I could really look at is, you know, if you clear this two day high, 87.47, then it looks pretty wide open to 300. That's it. I mean, this thing has been pounded some big red. We haven't seen three red candles like this in a long time. But the only thing you now you're 23 bucks away, you know. At least that that seven eighteen. Like I said, it's only five hundred shares. But if you're looking to pick this up on a maybe looking unchanged, and then you know a little bit less risk from two seventy six down to two sixty. But pretty ugly on the monthly. Maybe we problem is the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you know, like you're really in the middle of nowhere. You look. Obviously, we've had the big run up. Are we going to give the entire twenty twenty back and go back to a hundred dollars? I don't think so. I think the stock could get too cheap at that point. So. The value zone is coming. Like if you could do, you know, like a little, you know, uh, line on the chart and where value zone starts. I think you're starting to get into the value zone here in, Gen- in Generac. It's a great company. Continues right. to grow. It's 50% off the highs, basically that we just set. Almost 50% off the highs that we set two months ago. It's a great company. I I won't argue with you if you're nibbling on some here. Can there be more pain ahead? I think you know, like the pendulum we talked about that swinging got way overvalued. It's come back into like fair value. Is it going to go the other way and get but, cheap? It's possible. Hey, and, I'm going to hop. I'm going to let you guys finish up. Spencer, I'll catch up with you later on. Yeah, and that's what Paul is also saying as well. Like, like your PE will, will look better when your price goes down. So it's sort of like, 
Yeah, there's oh, a for reason. Sure. There's a I reason. Mean, that, that's why I start to get like it. That's the first thing. Oh, I mean, what's yeah, the pee on that I thing know. now? When I analyzed it a year ago, I was like, no, nah, it's trading like 50 times earnings. It's like, it's too much for a generator company. All right. Now, you know, we've got, you know, global warming. People want generators. Obviously, we've had more storms and stuff. If you believe, you know, like that, you know, we're getting more, you know, hurricanes are getting worse and tornadoes are getting worse and storms are getting worse. You know, people maybe lean to keep getting generators. And I don't know how long they last. Like one thing is to consider, too, is once you got a generator, how was it good for 20 years before I have to buy another one? I'm not sure. All I, um, all I know but, is every time I drive through Ohio on whatever highway that is, it's a constant barrage of ads. Ra- radio and billboard ads for generators. I'll, I'll say the value zone starts here, but it would be it's not a cheap stock. It's okay price now. If it got down to 200 it'd be cheap and I'd buy it. So at $200, right. if it just gets silly, I'd back up the truck and load it up. All right, we got to wrap live training with Benzinga. It's going to be a busy day today. We got live training coming up right now. After that, we're starting. We're going to debut our brand new show, our list maker show. We spend all day talking about stocks. There are other assets out there. There are other ways for you to invest your money in asset classes that that traditionally only the rich had access to. I'm talking about real estate. I'm talking about startups. We're going to do a whole overview on all the platforms that are giving access to other asset classes outside of just stocks. So that'll be today at 10 o'clock. We got, of course, Benzinga Live. Big interview. If you're a racing fan, you will want to watch Benzinga Live today. Big interview with uh, the first, I think it's fair to say they're the first family of racing in, in America. Uh, the Andretti's. We're going to talk to Michael Andretti today on, on Benzinger Live. Um, so that's going to be a uh, uh, fun time. Uh, we got the Fed. Don't forget, 2.30, we'll be streaming that press conference as well. Uh, we got the roadmap. Uh, big day. Dennis, have a great rest of your day. Everyone, live training with Benzinger going live right now. Please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. All right, hit that like button for me, please, and thank you. And I'm going to hop off and live trading with Benzinga is going live in about two minutes. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.